please ask your host to give you permission to record. Ask away. Can you give me permission to record? Uh, yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> Does it? There's the uh, three dots on the top right corner. Maybe you could. Uh, uh, I can make you allow to record local files. Boom. Oh, cool. Sick. All right. Because I'm recording to the cloud, so. Uh, I'm recording right now. Cool. Uh, I can I can share the music unless you would prefer to. Uh, I think you you can do it. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, let's see where is that. My notes real quick. Computer audio. Hmm. Interesting. Oh wait, no, I don't want to do that. Just kidding. Um, what I want to do is this. Oh, she's in LA right now, right? Oh, Thomas LaProd. Even earlier. It's all good if she doesn't join. Not a big deal. If she joins in the middle, it's all good. No, she says she's usually up by then anyway. So. <laughs> okay, can you hear this audio? I can. Okay, cool. Then I think we're in good shape. And I was thinking, I don't know how you feel, but what do you think about having a live audience? Like have people like tune in through the Zoom. Through the Zoom? Hmm. Yeah. We have to see like how we can manage participants and like if well, we can I, guarantee that no one can like go off Zoom, go off. Um... I think there's a way where you can uh, mute everybody except for the hosts. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. We could, like, we could do some research, but it's just something to think about. We don't have to do it like right away, you know. Yeah, totally. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> My mom would be on here. <laughs> <laughs> she, like listens, she listens like every week, every, uh, okay. every month. Uh, he says, "Go ahead, everyone." Uh, oh. Oh, okay. So I guess we're live. Okay. Um. This is TNT. Uh, let's start off with a track. Um, out to Montez Press Radio. This is Tim Lessick and myself, Tanya Nguyen. Um, we are, uh, should I just do the intro? You want me to do the intro? Or Girl. All right, cool. So uh, each month we dissect an album from the past and take a look at its history, impact on society and time. Uh, I'm Tanya Nguyen and this is Tim Lessig. Today, our show will be discussing the 1988 self-titled album singer-songwriter Lucinda Williams. Hit it. Here's the first track from that album. I just wanted to see you so bad.
that was listening to Williams. Uh, what was the title of that song? I just wanted to see you so bad. <laughs> what I think about Tan often. Uh, I just wanted to thank my our, our listeners, especially Thomas Laprade, who's always tuning in, our number one fan. He always comes in every Saturday. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Ann Bang, who also tunes in every Saturday in the AM. Uh, this is a good... This is it's 8 a.m. here. We're, I'm in Jackson, Wyoming, and then uh, our friend here, Tim Lessig, is in uh, Kingston, Kingston, New York. Kingston, New York. Yeah, so. this is our first like uh, West Coast, East Coast <laughs> <laughs> show. We did one show where I was in New Orleans, and I think you were in Maine or New York, which is also like yeah. a, a pretty big difference. So, you know, yeah, we're going yeah. cross country. We're yeah. we're bringing on other people from even further out west. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, welcome to another edition, <clears throat> excuse me, of TNT. Um, I wanted to just give a couple uh, details about this album before we before we really get into it. But yeah, um, you know, this is a album that was released in 1988. Uh, this is Lucinda Williams's third album, despite it being her self-titled album uh you know a lot of artists kind of i don't know they kind of randomly choose like when they decide to to go full self-titled and when they don't so <laughs> i don't really understand it um and to help us discuss this album we have a very special guest uh the person who actually suggested this album to us and i believe they're on the line uh audra oh, west nice. are, you, are you with us I'm barely alive, but I'm. There I she know. is. There she is. Nice and early on the West yes. Coast, 7 a.m. Audra, Thanks thank you. Thank you for joining us. us. We appreciate it. Yes. I don't know. If, I really don't know if I can start this video because y'all will really get a full, a full look here. But um, I, I want to see you so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well played. Well played. Also, uh, you know, it's a look for radio. It's okay. Okay. Let's uh, <laughs> let's set up the record. So yeah, as Tim said, this is uh, the third studio album, self-titled. She had two earlier albums. Uh, this was released on Rough Trade, and this was probably the spawn of what people call Americana. Indeed. Um, uh, I just want to give a little detail, just a little quote here that I found from the Statesman.com on how the album was recorded. I'm just going to get right into it and we'll just go off. Um, let's see. The album was was recorded on June 16th and 18th. They rehearsed and then June 19th, they started. And then the session continued every day through July 3rd, except for June 25th to 26th, they took a break. And then July 7th and July 8th, um, the album was recorded and then in june or july in 1988 uh it was released to the world through rough trade so it was recorded uh, at uh at mad dog studios right outside of la right yep cool. uh by dusty wakesman um who was a producer who owned the studio at the time there's a few other producers but writers all the all the songs were written by lucinda williams so um where do you want to start? Well, since Audra's with us and she's the one who suggested this album, I just kind of want to hear Audra's story about how she came across this album, why it connects with her, um, and, and why she thought it would be a fun album for us to do on the show. 
Yeah. Um, well, I must give credit where credit is due. Um, Matthew was the one who turned me on to this. Um, and Matthew, I dated Matthew way back when. But yeah, he 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 loved this album. And I remember I gave him the the vinyl copy of it. And I was like, all right, like Lucinda Williams. I don't know who this is. Like, I'll look it up. And I was just like, whoa, like my, like my first reaction was just kind of like, this is like not even the type of music I would maybe be drawn to just, you know, rolling along in life. But I was like, this is, this is something else. Um, I don't know. And, you know, I'm sure you guys will get into like the technical aspects of like how the album was made or certain things around it or like what was happening but I think for me it was more about just like a person who was able to paint these complicated portraits like how do I explain it it's almost like she was very much you know you knew it was like a woman writing the songs telling the story but also in the same way like it didn't feel gendered somehow which I liked like there was like there was this strength but also this sensitivity um but yeah I yeah I think she had a uh just I'm just gonna chime in here first Mm -hmm. coming off it was very uh I I this is not the right word for it, but it's innocent, but also forthcoming. Uh, writing like about that. young Sounds as mm-hmm. well. Uh, writing about her relationships and what she's experienced, but also writing about <clears throat> just relationships in general f- for humans, right? Right. Uh, yeah, general, yeah. That's relatable mm-hmm. to a lot of listeners, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But in a genre simple, that's like very male dominated as well yeah um let's just uh her background is her mom was a pianist her dad was a poet um she got into music around three and started playing the guitar at 12 but uh she started writing songs pretty much at a really young age uh so she was i think the fact that her father was a poet and her mom was a pianist really really shows that she's a well like a great songwriter and putting it to music was just like the way to go and she just kind of followed it yeah and it's like you know it's it's authentic uh you know this feeling i think that the album gives of um you know real life and struggle and heartache and all those things um you know in her youth she traveled around quite a bit uh her dad was a visiting professor in mexico uh, but also in the U.S., uh, in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Jackson, Mississippi, and Utah, uh, and then eventually ending up in Arkansas. So, you know, you kind of feel that that kind of uh, geographical kind of uh, disparity, I think, like around, you know, where she grew up. I kind of feel that in the album. I don't know. Yeah, Audra, uh, can I ask you... Wh- uh, when did you first hear this album? Like this was released in 1988. Yeah. How many years after. Yeah, I mean, I was but a sparkle in my parents' eye when that came out. So, um, I guess when was that? Like 2000. 
2012, 2013. Okay. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So did you did you get from Matthew? Did he like did he do it old school style and like record it on a mixtape and like give it to you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I it, it actually went down like I knew he was into listen to williams so i ended up getting him the vinyl record of it right okay, um, okay, okay so so like i didn't really think anything of it i was like oh this is something he wants i will get him the gift la dee da but um yeah then i just was like bowled over by it you know it just and like her voice too i mean it's so i feel like it's so rare to hear somebody's unfettered voice now so i think that was something also that just struck me i was like whoa the voice is so present you know in this way that i don't really hear a lot of now yeah it's incredibly distinct um you know it it sounds so natural um Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't feel like that force kind of country twang that i think you hear nowadays um Mm -hmm. you know it feels it feels authentic Mm -hmm. yeah and that and that was the thing, like it almost, I think for me, it like teeters on this, like very, yeah, it's, it's very relaxed. It's very calm, but there are times when it like cracks or sort of has that really gravelly thing and it just gives it this edge. I mean, I think that's what the content of the album sort of also does, Mm. you know, you, you have this person who seems very um, self-assured and confident um, but also there are these moments where you see their vulnerabilities too, which I think yeah. like, of course, like that's great music. Yeah. It's uh she, she was writing it. Probably she wrote these songs before that, but it got released in her early twenties mm-hmm. and she'd yeah. already written two albums before this. So this was like her junior album, I guess. You could say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her, her, uh, her first album was actually, uh, a series of covers by country and blues artists. Um, and then her second album released in 1980 was her first album of actual originals. And then there was an eight year gap that she basically spent writing this album. So this is like, and you know, reading about this album, reading about Lucinda Williams, uh, kind of a well-known perfectionist in the music industry. And like, she really takes time in between her releases. Um, and I think you can, you know, hear that. Um, and I actually found a quote kind of speaking to the production of this album. And it, it basically says it's her songs that resonate over the years, uh, durable, despite their seeming fragility, not the minute adjustments of careful engineers. You know, it definitely has that, that sound. It feels pure. It feels kind of raw. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It just felt like, I mean, that's the funny thing with every, I, I was actually just telling someone the other day, I was like, everything is a clip now. You know, why, why is everything a clip? I don't like it. Um, Yeah. 30 second clips. Yeah. And I just feel like something like that album feels complete in a way where, you know, like instinctively sort of, you can hear it. Like it's this knowing that somebody really spent a lot of time, a lot of energy on this album. It like, it wasn't a checkbox to the, record company of like you have to churn something out right what would you say some of the some of the themes were um on the album Mm, i think like i mean there's definitely there's like two songs side by side that are like ones about wanting to see someone and then um 
the next one is, uh, you know, just like this really angry sort of like, oh, I forget the name, but she's like, you know, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to change my right. house. Change I'm going to do like, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> change the yeah. locks. And I was like, yeah, damn, yeah. Lucinda. Like, <laughs> you were, I was like, you were just going off about like romance and I was into it. And now you're like, taking me down to the place she's like i want to change the name of the town like fuck you <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i was yeah. like but that i feel like again that sort of complex like going around in circles and making sure you touch these different points of the emotional spectrum you know like it's not so comfortable where i mean i'm trying to think because like taylor swift does that too on some level but she's highly produced too yeah she writes her own songs yes but yeah i think mm-hmm. the stories are a bit kitschy whereas listening mm-hmm. to williams is a bit more natural and more authentic as tim said mm-hmm. earlier um are you saying shake it off doesn't hold <laughs> <laughs> the rough life of an americana singer in the, in the 1980s <laughs> Oh, shake I mean, it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> but I guess that's, um, I mean, we keep using the word like authentic, which I think is something that has just come up in popular culture um, a lot because so much of what we experience is not authentic or it's always filtered through something, literally right. or figuratively. Right. Um, so I think maybe that's, a part of the album and i and i know it sounds like just that word is so overused so it's just well i think like the meaning, yeah i think the meaning of authentic to me personally is when you can really strip down the whole album and strip down the artist and strip down the words and pretty much she's a guitarist so if you she's just writing songs with the guitar and her voice and writing it down on lyrics or however she does it and pretty much that's her right the mm-hmm. backup band and the drummer and the guitarist and whatnot are just there to accompany her so once you really strip down all the songs that's that's authentic like you can sing that song i want to see you so bad or change the locks and it still represents what the song means or what she deals with or what she the story that she wants to tell you know so no yeah no. Absolutely. yeah absolutely I think that's maybe what it is. Is like there's a there's a mm, there's very strong bones. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like when yeah. you start with with just lyrics that are that good, a voice that's that good. You know, like I'm sorry, but you really can't go wrong. Like yeah. everything else is just embellishment at that point. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like um, Joni Mitchell's Blue. Right. I mean, that's mm. sort of who I think of in context of the Lucinda album. Just kind of reminds you know the, it kind of reminds me of um patty smith as well we did horses last mm-hmm. year on the show and it, you know the same kind of uh i think authenticity and rawness that comes across on that album i kind of got a sense of that from lucinda williams as well uh i had personally never listened to listen to williams prior to to listening it to it for the show and uh yeah i was shocked to, to kind of hear it and and also see that she wrote all the songs you know i i didn't know much about her so i just assumed that a lot of uh, so-called like country type stuff is is kind of very overproduced, um, but I really didn't. I really didn't know. I was I was corrected indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Yeah. I this is the first time I've heard of this new one. I guess I 
I've seen her name, but I would never got into it. But same with Tim, like uh, first hearing it, the voice, her voice definitely stuck out. Uh, mm-hmm. The lyrics were very simple to me, but somehow it was very grasping and I gravitated towards it. And it was just a nice, like, uh, just, you know, good road trip listening album actually mm. <laughs> yes you were on the you were on the road listening yeah. to us right yeah so we listened to it in the car driving from uh missoula montana down to jackson hole wyoming so it's like that's like perfect oh perfect yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so mm-hmm. um so would you say that you're getting the true americana experience while listening to this album tom <laughs> yeah i think so i think she represents uh i think i guess she does a great job i you know how we spoken in the past how like genres are just a way that labels use to to market yeah market and sell things and try to package people to to sell things and americana i think whoever came up with that term is very good term i think personally uh putting together blues you know american genre uh putting together country and just mashing those rock and roll, pushing those all together was just kind of just, it was just her. It's just like what she was influenced by. You know, she has once the last song on the album is by Helen Wolf, which was a great blues singer and, uh, and guitarist and whatnot. And that's what America is, right? It's all those genres put together and mashed together. And she just kind of represented it fairly well. And, I guess we could go to the story about how like she, she couldn't even get this signed to a label, right? Yeah, she had a hard time kind of, uh, you know, she had been in LA uh, trying to go out there and make it and kind of write records um, and then move back to Nashville eventually. And she found that while trying to to get this album to a label that labels in Nashville thought it was too rock and roll and labels right. in LA thought it was too country. <laughs> so she really kind of yeah. fell <laughs> in, the, in the middle of this. Yeah. Um, I'll, read a, I'll read a quote here. Um, please. It says, she said it's an ill-fated Sony development deal was a textbook example. They paid for me to make a demo for my songs, which were basically all the same songs that ended up on the rough trade album, she says, but Sony and LA passed on, it because they said it was too country for rock and they sent it to sony in nashville who passed it on because they said it was too rock for country hmm. well and it's so, funny that she ended up on on rough trade of all record labels yeah rough uh, trade has like the smiths or i'm sorry rough draft was it rough draft no rough, rough trade <laughs> rough draft is a bookstore <laughs> in kingston One of the i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting all <laughs> twisted <laughs> Yeah, I think Rough Trade released the Smiths, uh, yeah. a whole bunch of people from yeah. England, a label from England. Uh, so yeah. supposedly, uh, how this got all about from the same article, the states and they uh, they spoke with. Uh, I think Rough Trade was starting like to pick up artists in the U.S. and she was one of the first artists to uh, get picked up. And they said, "Here's another quote uh, uh, from Jeff." Jeff Travis, I think his name is from Rough Trade mm-hmm. Rough Trade Rough Trade Founder. Uh, they said something like, "I were so enamored with the songs and the voice that he wanted to move ahead quickly. We didn't want to lose her." So mm-hmm. the captivation of her voice somehow during that time, yeah, during that time there were a lot of male 1988 
late 80s mm-hmm. male dominated obviously still male dominated somewhat um and being rough trade an early indie label yeah i mean still very fairly mm-hmm. indie in a sense yeah i mean I london guess, you know? in 1978 i mean you know you're talking about you're talking about punk you're talking about yeah, post-punk yeah you know you're talking about uh you know the two-tone ska movement is like pretty big in london at that time you know you get a lot of and so she's kind of the odd person out on this on this uh, record label in some ways yeah uh, so um, it's pretty interesting she also and, says yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say you know it's funny to that effect that she got signed by a european label because I do feel like it is so, it's actually very American to have these ridiculous squabbles over, you know, like, oh, it's too rock, it's too country, it's too this, it's too that. Whereas, right. of course, from the outside looking in to a European country, they would see, you know, they like, they just see, oh, this is an American artist, you know, like they see that americana factor without having to like squabble over well which genre does it neatly fall into right um and 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 i also think you know europe has less i mean i'm i'm not saying like by and large but i think has less of a um problem (laughs) with women it just seems like they don't have a lot of the hang-ups um, that maybe Americans do, or at least around well, sex. Have a I think. Mother, so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so this uh, is a this is a great segue into a topic that I know we want to cover. Uh, but first, let's play another track. Okay, um, cool. Tan, you mentioned uh, "Howling Wolf" earlier, and that's the only song in this album that isn't written by Listen to Williams. So let's right. play that one. Um, the song is the last song on the album. It's called "I Ask for Water." He gave me gasoline originally by Howlin' Wolf. Having technical difficulties. Unmute, maybe?
She performed that so well. Yeah, I love that cover. She performed that so well. Yeah, I uh, raw. uh, I say raw, but I I really mean it's so natural and sensual. Also, like I want to say sexy as well. You know, it's her voice is uh, the falsettos and like the blue. She she changes it up into this like really bluegrassy steel guitar thing that I really really love about the album. Or that yeah. that song specifically, you know. You know the rest of the album it, that that song stands out because she doesn't really do a lot of that. The more fal- like you said, like falsetto type of sounds, like on the rest of the right. album. So I, I, yeah. I, it really stands out to me. I was really trying to find um, how, like, why she decided to cover that song, but I couldn't find anything online. So if anybody knows mm-hmm. why, I'm sure she was highly influenced by the blues because she's from Louisiana. So that whole Delta blues styles from down there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I forgot what else I was gonna say, uh, but yeah, that that song is really, really great. Uh, the performance, what we could we could talk about what we're our next topic, uh, or uh, I also wanted to touch upon the fact that the fact that that album was was on hiatus for like ten years. Oh yeah, right? it was. Uh, it basically was out of print for like ten years. Yeah, yeah, at a yeah. certain point. Yeah, I read yeah. that. And nobody knows why. They yeah. just got put back. Rough Trade just didn't release it. And well, Rough which Trade... is, <laughs> I was just Go gonna ahead. say that. <laughs> That's how you know a true artist is working on this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went out yeah. of print. I yeah. don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I I got busy with other shit. <laughs> Also, I know Rough Trade like ran into uh, financial problems like in the late '90s, and and they ended up like you know reconfiguring their business and whatever, whatever. So like you know that all all the financial stuff that happens with labels. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feeds into this other topic we want to talk about, which is like why this this album came out to like pretty high reviews. People really liked it when it came out. But it didn't really break commercially. Um, yeah. And, you know, kind of why is that? Why why did, why did was it that this record was actually able to go out of print? Um, you know, not for at yeah, the time, it's... but later later on in like 1992, I think. Or I'm sorry, 1994, a person who covered a song on this yes. album, Passionate Kisses, actually mm-hmm. uh, garnered Lucinda Williams a Grammy for Best Country Song, even though she'd wrote <laughs> it like six years earlier and it came yeah, out six Tom years Petty, earlier. Like so many people covered a lot of the songs on that album, like Tom Petty as well, you know? And yeah. And it it's funny because like they're like, where has Lucinda Williams been? She's like, I've been here the whole time. It just took some time I've for you guys to been you know, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Thanks. 
Uh, yeah, I think I, I actually didn't know about the Grammy. That's funny. But you asked me when I first heard Lucinda Williams. Well, now that I'm remembering it, it was probably either my mother's car or my aunt's car because um, they both like Mary Chapin Carpenter. And I absolutely uh, remember hearing Passionate Kisses 100%. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, well, we, this, this, this struggle, or I don't think she would say struggle, but this, uh, this environment that she had to release this album. She was really influenced by Bob Dylan. I'm surprised I haven't found anything that like they didn't market her as like the female folk, uh, female folk Bob Dylan or whatever, which is very good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she didn't get marketed that way, but I'm just because she was really influenced by by it. But there, she had to face a lot of you know masculinity and like sexism in the music industry and. At this time, I don't know, Tim. Do you do you know if there were any other female artists at the time that were fairly prominent at the time? I mean, uh, I I looked up uh, singles and albums in 1988, and there's mm-hmm. there's certainly women individual singers who are pretty popular, but it's like Tiffany and Belinda Carlisle. You know, it's not right. it's Debbie Gibson. It's not anything right, remotely right. close to country. I mean, even on the the charts, I I went deeper than the top ten. Uh, it was there's really no country on there at all. Um, right. And, you know, I know country has their own chart and everything, but I was just, yeah. you know, this is just the kind of overall uh, billboard list. I was kind of shocked that there wasn't like much at all. And country is like in its own fucked up scene as well. You yeah. know, like country is like its whole other, like a lot of like, I think country is like as bad as the rap scene or as good as the rap scene. depends on how you, say it. you know, talking about like alcoholism, talking about drugs and, violence and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. but uh i'm just gonna start off the conversation with this quote uh that i got from an interview magazine um she says there weren't that many other women doing what i was doing i was hanging out with pretty much all guys and there was a boys club mentality there was a guy who promised me a gig when i lived in austin in the 70s i walked by the club one day and saw the calendar was posted on the outside and it was all filled up for that but so i confronted him i said you said you were going to book me. He said, well, I figured I had already enough chick singers for the month. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Up, it's just yeah, like, this is Austin, Texas. You know, this is yeah. like the live music capital of the world. You know, like this is in the seventies. She hasn't even like, you know, even like, you know, really, she's just trying to get a gig. Right. Right. You know, so yeah. I can't even, I, I'm going to have a controversial opinion here, but you know, <laughs> Um, speaking of people, TNT blowing up, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you know, the things people squabble over now, it's just like take a minute and just appreciate how far you know things have come for women. Like, I get it, it's not great and it's not perfect, you know, and there are still things to be done, but like, can you imagine the outrage that would happen on Twitter? if you know that would land somewhere like and back then it's like uh you just deal with it and like carry on and keep doing what you're doing like that takes a lot of gumption yeah yeah conviction you know a lot of guts Mm -hmm. i have like i have like 
three or four other comments if you want me to read it as well from yeah. this, uh, this interview magazine. Uh, she also says, uh, let's see, uh, I think about this a lot because now there's this whole thing in country music. Oh, the stations aren't playing women enough and we need to have more women in this and that. We need to have a really good artist. I don't like the idea that somebody needs to be hired or involved because that, that person's a woman. I don't know if I'm alone in this or maybe I'm too radical, but it's kind of reverse sexism. So she's when did, saying when like, did this uh, article come out? Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. I think it, it came recently, like probably around the time her album, the deluxe album, 2014. I think, oh, okay. Got album. Wait, reverse reverse sexism. Yeah, so I don't she's think I saying that. she's saying that like, uh, why does it have to be a woman? Why can't it just be a a good a record? Per- a yes. person exactly yeah right, right. Exactly. she's like yes. basically they're just checking boxes to, yeah. to make yes. sure that they have yeah. oh they have a man they have a woman they have a you know whatever yeah 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 and this uh, is such this is such the problem you know and there's and there's actually um a famous filmmaker chantal ackerman who is always being asked questions like oh so you're like a woman making films you're a woman making films like you're a woman making film she's just like i'm a filmmaker you know, period, full stop. And whatever comes into it after that point, like, okay, I'm a woman. So it's coming from my experience as a woman, I guess. But like, everyone's art comes from their experience as a person. Like, that's just the world that I inhabit, right? Right. It's just like... (sighs) Well, it's interesting, you know, like uh, the 80s, the decade of excess, right? Um, And Tan Tan mentioned that on um, I Asked for Water and you, you gave me gasoline, that, you know, he, he said that it almost had like a sexy quality to it, which is interesting because like, you know, a lot of female artists that were marketed and were quite popular at the time were kind of, you know, sex appeal was very much a part of their um, appeal or gimmick mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, marketing capability. Yeah. And she, I mean, Lucinda Williams, the album cover, she's wearing a leather jacket. It's like she's not known for that, like oozing sexuality. And so I think that played into this ability. Um, the lack of ability to like break commercially because mm-hmm. I don't think she was putting there that wasn't out there. A, there wasn't like a visual perspective of her identity being presented to the market. Right. You, you know, yeah. yeah, they weren't selling her on her look. She wanted to right. sell herself on her music right. and her lyrics and, you know, everything else. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting. What's funny about that last song, I think I might be wrong here, but I think uh, she changed the, it was originally her, but she changed it to him. The 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 you gave. Oh him, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. I think he she reversed it and she that was the one word that she changed. Yeah. Um, so the the title is I asked for water parentheses he gave me gasoline and the Hollow and Wolf version it's she gave me gasoline. So that's interesting. Yeah. I'll I'll read one more quote uh about this whole ordeal. It's a uh, yeah, because I can't write love songs and there's nothing left to write about. So I'm just going to curl up in the kitchen and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Is this how stupid people are? And then I have to try to explain, yes, I found my soulmate. Yes, I'm going to be with him for the rest of my life. But guess what? I'm an artist first and foremost, regardless of what kind of house I'm living in, how much money I make, who I'm with, that doesn't affect my art. So this is talking about her first marriage uh, to an a and record producer in LA and they were saying that like 
you know, she was just gonna be, you know, caged up in the kitchen, just cooking meals and raising kids or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and she's just, she's just making a statement that, you know, that's not who she is, you know. And the songs and the albums and whatnot really explain that and really, mm-hmm. really tell the story of the confrontations and like the, the. I don't know the shit that she had to fucking be put up with. <laughs> really, that's pretty much what it is, you know, straight up, you know. Yeah, yeah, but 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 also in a way that I think is there's multiple entry points for people, yeah. you know, and like I think that goes back to her point of being like, I am an artist first and foremost. Like, it's not like so gendered, or it's not about the. It's like it's about music and it's about the writing and it's about like the other things that I'm interested in. You know, it's like that that sort of goes back to that yeah i think she it's so great that she knew early on like that's what she wanted to do because this is her third album but yeah mm-hmm. it's treated as her debut but it's like it's just so funny how slow people even myself included putting myself in that category how slow people have caught on or have caught on back then to her music yeah, I found yeah. some uh, in on a website called No Depression. I don't know if it's like a music publication or something, but uh, basically the article on this website was saying like no one had ever looked or, or sounded like her before. So these labels that she was reaching out to like had no idea how to market her. Um, and, you know, it also kind of mentions how uh, what they call the Nashville Network, which is, you know, the music industry in Nashville, the country music industry. Right. Um had begun kind of showcasing talent that wasn't quite the traditional country style. So like Lyle Lovett, for instance. Mm. Um, but compared to Lucinda Williams, it was, it was relatively tame. Um, and she didn't really have any interest in, in toning down her music, her voice or her character to accommodate commercial considerations. So I think that's, that's interesting kind of this against the grain kind of nature of mm-hmm. this album and, and of her as a, as an artist. Yeah, I think it's that the 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 melting between the rock and roll and the country that really no, I guess nobody was doing that really. Everybody was very separated, segregated, and she just put on the leather jacket and sang a country song with the blues <laughs> twang, you know, which is really really cool. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of people credit kind of this this record for for being one of the foundations of the americana kind of genre um and for this or i'm sorry for alt country alt country alt i think country, is the yeah, yeah americana is older but um, i hate that i hate that word. alt country alt, <laughs> alt, alt anything all anything is i'm alt. it just makes me think that like green day is playing country or something yeah, it's like what exactly. i think of <laughs> i would love that can they I'm do sure like a cover album they probably will soon yeah <laughs> they have a they have a broadway show yeah that's like what? that's a whole that's a whole yeah, other show another we could show. talk about how yeah. green day um, sold out so hard <laughs> i i i think this is a great i think i personally think this is a great album for anybody to listen to but for like young women and young kids to listen to and just hear you know and just be like Yo, you could write songs and it could be fucking badass and you just got to push through and power through. You know, I think that's what this album really says, you know, to like a lot of young artists who are writing songs right now. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that this 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 whole 
episode and her experiencing all this has come through and she's still going at it you know? and she's still putting mm-hmm. on music she's yeah. going strong which yeah is- i think it is a, you know because it is that kind of nexus of of uh country and rock and roll it's kind of a nice gateway into that genre you know like um i always heard of emmylou harris but like now i'm much more inclined to actually listen to that um right. and listen to others listen to williams and stuff so i think it is like a nice a nice gateway album if we can say that <laughs> mm-hmm. i i'm 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 Audra, i'm interested in if you if you you might not be able to elaborate but if you heard this in your mom's car in your aunt's car what mm-hmm. what was the feeling that you got just listening with them or to this album and whatnot mm-hmm. well i listened to the mary chapin carpenter version oh, right, right, right. so it wasn't exactly lucinda williams i mean it was her words but it wasn't her voice which i think is such a huge piece to the puzzle mm-hmm. but like i remember even at that time like and I do remember the lyrics, you know, like I remember hearing them very clear. It's like this very, I mean, you know, you know what I think of, I was thinking about this when we were talking is um, like this James Joycean quality to how she writes about things like these mm-hmm. different scenarios that sort of like mm-hmm. bend and weave and they're super mm-hmm. like sensual and that there's mm-hmm. like, you know, flowers or like, there's food or booze or like smells and then there's, I, I don't know. There's just dreamy quality too. But um, James Joyce at the end of, I think it's Ulysses, the Molly Bloom character. Mm-hmm. There's this part where she like essentially has an orgasm and it's this really beautiful description or like what she's thinking. And it's just disjointed, but it also makes complete sense. It just delivers this very succinct emotion, which is right. like, being overcome or sort of just like blissful or in the throes, which I do remember about that song. Just like the lyrics were just, again, there was a lightness to it, but there was also this intensity, blissful, like eyes rolling back in the head quality. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Nothing stuck with you, you know, listening to that in your mom's car. I'm sure there's nothing (laughs) weird about that. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. It's like, God, that one really sunk in. <laughs> uh, well, in, in that, uh, I think that's like, that's a great way to, to play another song. <laughs> uh, Audra, you you are our esteemed guest today. Would you like to hear uh, "Change the Locks" or "Passionate Kisses"? Ooh, Ooh. let's do "Change the Locks." All righty, "Change the yeah. Locks" on the mm-hmm. 1988 self-titled Lucinda Williams. Mm-hmm.
Change the locks off of Lucinda Williams's self-titled 1988 release. Um, so you know, I kind of mentioned what was charting in 1998. Um, it was a lot of things you would expect to be charting in 1988. <laughs> Wait, uh, can, before before you get into, can I just read one more that will like end cap that song? Oh yeah, like, please. We were just like, so this is a another quote from an interview magazine. She says, maybe it's the world of poets and novelists I grew up in. I saw them getting older and getting better. I remember my dad <laughs> once said, in the poetry world, you gain respect the older you get and the better you, your work gets. The jazz world is that way. The blues world is that way. It's that way pretty much everywhere except for what we do. I'm assuming music. You're supposed to stay 25 forever. And at a certain point, you make two or three great albums and then you fizzle out. I can't imagine that happening to me. So that's just, this is why she's who she is right now. So yeah, yeah, mm. that's interesting. I like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I will now piggyback off of that. <laughs> um, there's a quote by Emmy Lou Harris uh, who is speaking about Lucinda Williams and kind of like why she hasn't really broken through. And uh, Emmy Lou Harris said she's an example of the best of what country at least says it is, but for some reason she's completely out of the loop. And I feel strongly that's country music's loss. So mm. big fans within the industry, you know, we mentioned Tom Petty covering uh, one of these yeah. songs. Uh, I mean, like Harris, obviously a fan. So uh, shout out to Rue. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really, no, it's fun, whatever. Uh, my cat jumped on the table earlier in the show and almost knocked some stuff over. Um, yeah. So, Anything else that we want to before? I know I just wanted to kind of like give people a sense of like what was charting in '88, yeah, but other other stuff yeah. we want to okay. So "Faith" it. by George Michael was rightfully so the number one uh, single of that year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in excess, George Harrison "Never Gonna Give You Up" by Rick Astley. Oh uh, hell yeah! Wow. The beginning of the Rickroll. Uh, <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses. So emotional by Whitney. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, Tiffany, 
uh, Breathe, who I don't know who that is, uh, and Steve Winwood had the top 10 signals of that year. Oh, um, so, you know, you could see it's uh, some hair metal. You could see it's uh, some, you know, late 80s pop music, some real beginning of the late 80s, early 90s, female-led ballad uh type of records <laughs> right um so yeah it was i don't know an interesting time for this to come out because country isn't really you know today country is is incredibly popular and people love it um but i don't think it was quite as as um i don't think people were quite as tuned into it in the in the 80s well, i think it was yeah. more of a niche kind of genre still yeah i think country i don't listen to a lot of country but from what i from my own personal experience it seems that a lot of records were about specifically female it's about like supporting the male dominated like family figure in a sense lyrically right like you're, you're the females were always the duet you know you're mm -hmm. always accompanying the, the the male figure whereas like this and like dolly parton they're really speaking the truth about like yo you're fucking my life up you're like beating me up and you're an alcoholic and you're fucking with kids and like all this shit you know so it's yeah. like she just did but, it in a more modern way in a sense yeah. but also but also in the same breath and like the reason why i wanted to play that song was because you know her other ones are so romantic it's like she does get to that point, but also like, I think Dolly Parton's a great touch point too, because it's like someone who sings about pain, yeah. but also someone who sings about, you know, great joy and love. And right. if you've ever, I mean, Dolly Parton, national treasure, I mean, let's get <laughs> real, you know, like, like the way she talks about people, you can tell, you know, it's like she yeah. takes, she's, she's so humble. And she understands right. kind of the nature of people and forgiveness yeah. and that sort of thing, which I just, you know, it's like, where is that backbone? Not, I don't know, maybe that seems like so puritanical or something, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you just don't see that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, it, it's just the feelings get out, but I, I, I think a lot of old country, if you're talking about like, when like border radio was happening like johnny cash and like june carter type stuff they were just all very like kitschy like you know not really very on the surface mm -hmm. right this is getting to the point where it's like getting more deep talking about real feelings and yeah like, real 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 stuff um, yeah i mean even the song like you know jackson uh yeah. by june and johnny cash like that song is basically about him like going down to Jackson and like fucking around with other women. Yeah, and, like, exactly. They kind of yeah. talk about it. It's like very like Mary. <laughs> very, like, yeah, ah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just really interesting. You know, they kind of gloss over a very serious and like weird kind of subject. Whereas she's singing about heartbreak and, and relationships in a much more like real uh, way. Yeah. I think. So. Or like the feeling of like wanting to go just drop everything and go talk and have a conversation. You know, it's yeah. just as simple as a conversation. Whenever I have your, that conversation with you, it, it, something happens, you know, and yeah. I forget yeah. what song that was. Um, just to add on to what Tim was speaking about, the music and popular culture, um, some movies during popular culture were Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, <laughs> uh, 
Die Hard, the first Die Hard came out in 1988. Uh, and then uh, Beetlejuice came out in 1988. Huh. Wow. Some heavy hitters yeah. in 88. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Friday the 13th, part five, six, seven, the <laughs> new blood. Part seven. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Um, I'm just going to go through some of the history in 1989, uh, 1988 real quick. I have yeah. a lot down here, but <laughs> fuck, man, there's a lot of crazy shit that was happening in 1988. Uh, 91 cents for a gallon of gas. Movie tickets were 350. Um, Burma had started a pro-democracy movement, uh, which is kind of crazy now because now the military coup had happened like Time is a, a flat couple, circle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Iran and Iraq war ended after eight years. Uh, crack was introduced into all the urban cities of America in 1988. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> a different uh, show. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Stephen Hawking published A Brief History of Time. Um, the antidepressant Prozac was first introduced and was the market leader for treating depression. Um, and then like the first laser eye surgery happened in 1988. Wow. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan was president. You know. Boo. Um, yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> so we only have a few minutes left, so I just want to make sure we, we close out uh, on a good note. Um, Audra, is there anything else that you wanted to, to say about this album to, to recommend to people? If they like this, uh, you know, anything else? Huh. They're like closing notes. Sorry, my dog is literally going insane. I have to just like <laughs> go away. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think I think what I like about the album really is at the end of the day, it's just like a permissiveness to experience all kinds of emotions or to um I don't know what's the, what's the word I'm looking for. It's obvious or to like, to, to just be able to express yourself in multiple ways. You know, I, I think that's the great thing about Lucinda Williams is like, you just get this beautiful palette. Um, like I said, from the beginning of like sensitivity and, and, and strength and thoughtfulness and kindness and, you know, like meanness when it's appropriate. Um, so I just think that's the value of the album. Also, it's just great music. You know, like, I guess I'm not super, like, music buff. It's it's great music. Yeah. Um, I don't know what what makes great music. I don't know. There has to have some sort of spirit to it. And my God, Cinda Williams got <laughs> it in spades. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. I love that. If And, you know, for those out there listening, Audra suggested this album to us, and we did it. So if Yay. you happen to have an album... <laughs> That you think we should do uh hit us up on instagram you can shoot us an email at tnt radio nyc at gmail.com um i want to thank montez press radio i want to thank tom for producing um just a note about next month's show it's going to be on april 24th the last saturday of that month and we're doing going a different direction we're doing a live by daft punk which is their 2007 live album. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> live music is starting to come back in, in the world. So we wanted to be on the forefront of that and, and talk about a live album. So join us 10 a.m. on April 24th. 
Um, and for those of you who don't know, we're also releasing the episodes from our first season every other Friday. Uh, last week, we just released our episode about Alice Cooper, School's Out. So uh, check us out on Apple or on Spotify, uh, TNT on Montez Press Radio. Uh, I think that's it. Tony, anything yeah. else you want to add? No, that's it. No, the deluxe album is out for the Lucinda Williams. It has like 24 tracks on there or something like that. It's like yeah, two some hours live long. tracks from uh, the Netherlands yeah, and some, so, some other songs that aren't. Yeah, uh, so go check included. it out. Yeah, yeah so go check it out. Well, as as Tom leads into the other show, we'll play it out. So thanks again to Montespas Radio. Thanks to Tom. Thanks yeah. to Audra. Yeah, and, thank uh, you guys. Have a lovely Saturday, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.